This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding, and I am joined with Jim Sebastio. We're going to jump right into topic here in just a moment. Before we do that, you can go to practicalshepherding.com and access all of our resources there. You can also write a review uh, on what, however you're listening to this uh, podcast, iTunes or Spotify, whatever it is. Uh, you can uh, leave a review there, and we try to check those and get the feedback and learn from it. You can also go to the contact page of the website, and you can submit a request on a podcast uh, topic you want us to cover. As many of you know, we put that up on social media, and a bunch of you respond to it, and we're really grateful for that. It really helps us know what you all would specifically like us to address. But you can also go to the, the contact page there on the website and send some recommendations that way, and we will see those and, and consider those as we try to consider the topic for, for each time. The topic for today, Jim, is an important one, especially in this time of year that we are in. And it, since a lot of pastors listen to this podcast, I assume that they're going to care a lot about this topic that we're talking about, and that is the pastor's mm. salary. And how do you think through the pastor's salary? How much should the salary be? And all of those kinds of things. And so we, we haven't really tackled this before. And since we're, you know, we're in the fall now, in the next month or so, most churches are going to be talking about budgets and those kind of things. By the way, we just recently did a podcast on thinking through budgets and that kind of stuff. You can check that out. But we want to talk specifically about the pastor's salary. How do you think through how much should a pastor make? Uh, I'll go on record. Most pastors are paid about a third of what they're worth. It, but that's a different conversation, I think, from this. What we want to talk about is some of the logistics around thinking through a pastor's salary. What is a fair compensation you know, for a pastor? What can a church afford? All of those things are, matter in this. Before we get into that, though, Jim, will you uh, just kind of take us to uh, the New Testament? Help us to kind of think through uh, what we can learn from there in thinking through the salary of a pastor. Brian, I think there's a, there are several texts that do speak to this. Uh, obviously, I think we need to set this against the backdrop that we live in a, at a time when the, the, we recognize that many pastors are underpaid, uh, that we sadly there are those who have used their position for financial gain. They have fleeced the flock. And that has an effect on sometimes on how people view us and even how a podcast like this might be listened to. Yep. Oh, here come religions just about money and, and all of the rest. Well, we have to understand if we're going to be biblical that we need to have their texts in the scriptures that address this. And, and it's difficult at times for a pastor himself to preach on texts like this or to bring texts like this because it seems self-serving. And yet it is part of the word of God. And several places that come to mind, Brian, in, in regard to this, one is out of Galatians chapter 6, where this is speaking to the congregation. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him uh, is a general principle there. And then you have in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, uh, there is this issue of uh, you know of elders, and it says this: the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the Scripture says, and this is a a fascinating use of the law: uh, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. That's actually a quotation from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, that is brought out there. Uh, and so what it's talking about there is that just as it would be cruel to take uh, an ox who is 
treading out the the corn or the wheat uh, and put a muzzle on him so that he's not able to partake of the fruit that he is working on for somebody else. Uh, so pastors are to be uh, taken care of in this regard. Then you have a reference of Paul in First Corinthians, uh, yeah, First Corinthians chapter nine, verse fourteen, and the salient point there is that those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel, and so that there is something right that pastors be compensated for their labors. A labor is worthy of his hire. Pastors are to work hard at, at what they do. They are to labor in the word and in doctrine. Uh, they have been trained uh, under that end uh, for some at, at relatively great cost that they have uh, been trained. They're gifted to do what they do. Uh, they provide benefit uh, to the Lord's people by their teaching and by their preaching and by their oversight and that that ought to be recognized and uh, to the degree that a church is able that a man should be compensated in light of his labors. Yeah. So that's a biblical uh, groundwork for it. Yeah, that's it. really good. And you know, I have a I get asked a, a ton of questions around this stuff. And here are the two extremes I'll just put out there as a as a talking piece for us on this as we get into this. The first is uh, a pastor who is you know pastoring a small church, probably not a lot of resources and money, yeah. and he he is working his tail off. He's serving the people well. He's being faithful. He's living in very meager means. Mm-hmm. Maybe living in a parsonage, doesn't, even, doesn't own his own home. All those kinds of right. things, and and he's feels guilty asking for any more, yeah, uh, because uh, he one either sees the church can't af- afford that, or he, he just. A lot of pastors, you know, they've dedicated their life to serve others, so they have mm-hmm. a hard time asking for things yeah. for themselves that they need. That's one. That's one side that, and that is really common, by the way. It is. Yeah. But the other side of this is, I also meet guys. Usually, they're coming straight out of seminary. They said, "Hey, you know, I worked really hard and got my theological degree. I have a master's of divinity now, and even though I'm in, I'm 27 years old. You know, I'm assuming that there's going to be churches." just fighting for me to pay me $80,000 and give me all my health insurance and retirement. And they're going to be lining up for me after graduation. And there are those guys that never find a church because obviously that church doesn't go after them. And, but they, that's their expectation. So they don't understand why, why can't I find a job somewhere at a church? And so I'm putting those two, those are real situations, by the way, I've been in, but they're also the two extremes to it. So there's a lot of middle ground here. But I want to put that up as the two sides of the pendulum because mm. uh, because some guys will lean more than other. They will lean more towards, hey, you know, I- I'm worth this. I'm not taking a church job unless somebody pays me this right. and gives me all that I'm asking for. And but what's more common, I would say, are, are pastors who just want to serve the Lord. They just want a chance to be able to have an opportunity, and so they take something and and they're usually really struggling, maybe working. Two three jobs and try you know in addition to the church trying to just figure out how to make it work and how to support their families on that. So this conversation, I want to put that up there first as we have this conversation to figure out how do pastors think through their salary because depending on which direction you're coming from, you got to know that about yourself. Right? Are you are you somebody who has a hard time asking for more money? Like there are pastors I talk to who come to me and you just see it like. There's guilt ridden, like I'm not I'm not making like I'm I'm ten thousand dollars less than what I need to be able to just pay my average bills. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm terrified. I'm scared to ask the church for it. And these are ch- some of these are churches that that actually even have the m- the money they could invest. Yeah, in. that's. And I think Brian, you have to deal with the other another element to this, and that is how does a church value the labor of a pastor, and how do they labor his education? How do they labor what he does? How do they or how do they labor? Uh, how do they? Um, how do they monetize that? How do they look at that and say, this is worth that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it can be hard. It, you know, there's several things that can go into that. One is if you have older members, they have certain numbers stuck in their head from days gone by. And $30,000 a year ought to be fine for a man. I, yeah. Like when I was 20, 30000 that that was like a, a million dollars yeah. to me. And it was like, 1955, well, man. You so don't. Thank you. Or, or, you know, or even 1980 or yeah, whatever. Right. And it's right. like, well, we don't, we don't live there anymore. Yeah. And. And again, the how do you how do you help a congregation or a finance committee or the deacons? How do you, in a sense, school them rightly to value what you do appropriately? How do you do that without sounding like you're grandstanding? How do you do that in a way that that it, it's not suspicious that you are? Because one of the qualifications, you're not allowed to be greedy for money. Yeah. Uh, no pastor, no man who is greedy for money is fit to be a pastor. Yeah, that's First Timothy three. It's right and, there. And so, yet, yeah. at the same time, he needs money. Uh, you know, if he if he has a wife, you know, it is assumed of a pastor that they're married and have kids. And so that that actually requires you know some degree, and because we're dealing with religious matters, it can on the one hand be manipulated. You need to help the man of God on the one hand, and then on the other is that while I'm serving the Lord, I ought to be quiet about this. Yeah, right. And yeah. I ought to just accept it. And and God is sovereign. And if the Lord wants to move them, He's going to move them somehow, some way. He's just going to move them in answer to my prayers. Or the other thing is, do I get another job, uh, or do I do I work full time somewhere else, or do I have my wife, do I have my spouse work, or whatever the case might be, in order to fulfill this right. Right. this dilemma? But uh, I anyway. think so. I think we need to. W- one of the places to go with this is let's let maybe talk about some principles on hel- helping pastors think through how do you think through what is a, a fair, acceptable salary. For you, because obviously context matters so much. Where you live matters so much. Yeah. So, like, we we want to just we want to say that because that we know everybody's assuming that, but we want to put that out there. That like that matters. Like fifty thousand dollars as a salary in one place and fifty thousand dollars as a salary in another place are two totally different things. Exactly. So uh, you're you got to know your context. You got to do your research. I think to be able to know what your context is. You know, what is the median salary of that that area and how people are trying to live through that? What's the what's the cost of of, of houses and mortgages and all those kinds of things? Like those things matter. But Jim, as we think about just principles, you're talking to a pastor. What's something you would tell him? Say, look, this is one of the things you need to be thinking about when you determine what should be a fair and helpful salary for you at your church. I think you need to ask yourself uh, several things. I think you've already brought out some of these things. So some of them are matters of location. Some of them are matters of what is your church able to do? Uh, you know, that is, that's a question because if, if you have a church where the budget uh, for the church is, uh, as you had to deal with, I think where your, your budget was somewhere in the hundred thousand dollar range, yeah, right? 120, the, 125, 120, every year, right. Yeah, so annual. 
so as you look at that and think of all the things they have to pay for, and then you, you work out and say, well, what, what do they even have left over with legitimate things to be able to pay a man? So you have to, you, you have to consider that. I think you have to consider not just the median income of the area, but of your congregation. Okay. And as you're looking at and say, all right, look, listen, if, if, if your congregation is made up of perhaps laborers and blue collar type folks who, I, I don't know, maybe I'm going to just throw out a number and say they make forty, forty-five thousand dollars a year, and you mm-hmm. come in and say I should make seventy or something like that. That's probably going to be offensive in that situation because these guys are making it. They're they're they are they're doing it in and. These are guys with calluses on their hands. They see your, you, you, you probably don't have those calluses on your hand. And, they, and, and it, until such a time as they understand and, again, maybe value that, okay, you work differently than they do. But I think you have to be careful that, you're, uh, that if you make a, I'm going to use the language of salary demand, you know, that you say, well, I need to be paid this. And, and maybe, again, some of that's well because of student debt and other things. I, I have to get paid this. A lot of questions you, you have to go into ahead of time with that. But anyway, you know, th- that sort of thing. I think you have to consider the what is maybe the median of the congregation. And if you have a mix, as I do, of more white-collar and blue-collar folk, and, and for some, you're going to look at, they're going to look at what you make, because sometimes what you make is going to be right there in black and white. It's going to be printed in the, in, the, in the budget every year. This is what the pastor makes, and this is the breakdown of it. Somebody's going to look at that and go, I can't believe they get paid that much. And somebody else is going to look at it and go, are you kidding me? That's what we pay. That's him. all we pay. And, and, and that's going to be, so you're going to bring different things to the table uh, on that. Uh, when I started, I made, I'll say this, uh, this is 1990. Uh, they were committed to $25,000 a year for me. They thought that that's, now that meant, and from that, I would have to pay my insurance and pay my housing and, and all of that kind of a thing. Initially, that was so $25,000, 1990. It was a little bit, and it was it was doable. It was tight, but it, it it was it was doable. But the congregation only took in nine ten thousand dollars my first year here. So other yep. churches supplemented, and then I worked uh, in order to to meet that threshold. And those churches gave an anticipation of what I made. And at that time, I I, I worked as a janitor yep. uh, at night, five yep. nights a week. I worked as a I worked as a janitor in town. So. Yep. Uh, that that was kind of how we had to work things out initially, and then as the church prospered, uh, you know, I, I was able to get more benefits that were very helpful. Here's one of the things I would say, and you touched on it, and it's what made me think of this. Every pastor has to be okay to live in the tension of what you just articulated. That look, yeah, the congregation is going to know what they pay you. They're going to they're going to be reminded of it every budget year. You know, yep. they're gonna, that. You need you need to be okay to live in the tension that your salary is going to be talked about by the whole church. That's just the way it is. I used to joke with our church, or my my leaders, especially when we would be setting the budget and going into it. And of course, you know, in, in our context, we you know the church never paid me what they wanted to be able to pay me because we just didn't have the resources. And and by the way, that's another thing I want to point out that makes this a hard conversation for a pastor is. I'm, you know, I had a conversation recently with a pastor. He comes to me and says, like, I, I need ten thousand dollars, like a lot of medical bills, a lot of things that's happened in life. I need ten thousand dollars more to meet my, just meet my basic bills. And he's not living extravagantly at all. Right. But he's trying to weigh out. But if I ask them for that, I see the numbers. Like, 
I'm going to add a whole nother level of stress to me, even if they agree to pay me that, because we're not going to be able to to swing that as a church very well. And so again, I just want to highlight this. This is the complicated nature and, and the burden of this conversation for pastors. Nonetheless, have it. Like not, don't, you can't be afraid of this conversation. This is part of the deal. This is what people are going to know your salary. But I used to joke with uh, some of my leaders or people who would be preparing the budget and things, you know, that, yeah, this is the meeting where everybody gets to decide how badly they want me. <laughs> because everybody is re reminded, you know, especially in a $125,000 budget, you know, a lot of that was going, you know, a big chunk of that was going to my salary and benefits and those kind of things right. through the years. And so I would always joke about this, like, man, you, you know, everybody gets to, when you've been a pastor a long time at a certain place and they want to keep, you know, they want to be able to give you raise, cost of living raises and all those kinds of things, your salary goes up. And I would just joke because that's how I felt. I would just kind of put it out there just so you know. I'm aware that everybody's evaluating what I'm worth in this moment, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So that would be the thing I would just put out there. A lot of pastors hate this conversation. Yeah, they hate talking about money, and they hate talking about themselves, and they're doing both those things at yeah, the same time. It is hard. It, it, <clears throat> so don't be afraid of the conversation. Just resolve. You got to have it. <clears throat> A second thing I would say is you have to, um, you got to honestly sit down if you're married. Yes, sit down with your wife. And really assess, draw up a budget on what do you need as a family, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And obviously, not not your dream budgets you, that you want to live extravagantly. Well, what do you need for basic needs? And then, what do you need to be able to have some, maybe a few other things like that? That's not just basic needs to be able to, you know, <clears throat> pay for kids' school and to pay for you know some of these different things that maybe are are taking place in your life, medical bills that come up and right. all that kind of thing. You need to have a number in mind, and then. You're, the leaders of your congregation that help set your salary, they've got to know your needs. And the reason I put this out there is a lot of pastors hate this conversation because they don't want to go to people and say, "Look, this is what's going on in my life. Mm. This is what I this is what I need. And yeah. This is not so I can drive a really nice car. Right. Like, this is so I can pay my rent. This is so I can pay my mortgage. This is so I, this is so I can pay these medical bills that hit because you know two of my kids were in the ER this last month right. or whatever it might be. So. You've got to have the conversation, but you've got to have an informed conversation. If your leaders who are setting the salary do not know what your needs are, then they're going to do what you said, Jim. They're going to they're going to evaluate what they know by the congregation and the lifestyle of everybody and yeah. what the median is of that area. They're, they're going to base it on that. They've got to know what your needs are, and you got to be able to share that with them. What what else would you would you share with them? Yeah. So I. I'm going to read something out of uh, this. I think this is helpful. This is out of an old confession of faith uh, that deals with this. And it, but it brings out several interesting, this is from hundreds of years ago, but it says this, the work of, of pastors being constantly to attend the service of Christ in his churches in the ministry of the word and prayer with watching for their souls as they that must give an account to him. So again, showing a high view of what pastors do. It is incumbent on the churches to whom they minister not only to give them all due respect, but also to communicate to them in all their good things according to their ability. So as they may have, sort of, this is the language of, of 1689, uh-huh. that they may have a comfortable supply without being themselves entangled in secular affairs and may be capable of exercising hospitality toward others. This is required by the law of nature. That's the muzzling of the ox. It's referencing and by the express order of jesus christ who has ordained that they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel 
and there's a recognition there. You know, it says that you know, no, no soldier serves at his own expense. You yeah. know that yeah. that you know that it, it is. It, if a man is laboring, and again, you have to have a view. You have to. The congregation needs to try to get to this place. But you yourself have to have a sense of a value that what I do. It is important, and it is it is worth it is worth something. And so, to have as a standard an ability to be in what's called a comfortable supply, and what that means, what they're saying is that you're not budgeting down to the last penny every month, so that if the tires go out or something happens, that you are, you know, listen, you're not having the idea is that you're not having to toss and turn at night about how your basic bills are going to get paid again because you're extravagant. That's a whole that's a whole other issue. And again, I think most of the guys listening to this, I don't think we draw that kind of a crowd. Yeah, I don't. Uh, so those who are you know wanting to live extravagantly or think they're something else or full of themselves and all of the rest and who view the sheep as an opportunity for them to advance in life. That man shouldn't be in ministry. I doubt they're listening, Jim. I doubt they're listening. But, you know, (laughs) if you, if you got in the back of your head, shame on you. All right. So, but, you know, to say to yourself, listen, I ought not to be able, I ought to be able to, I ought to be able to have people over for a meal. Yeah. I ought to be able to show hospitality. It's one of the things I'm commanded to do. Well, uh-huh. you're gonna have, you're gonna show hospitality, it's gonna cost a little bit. Yeah. We're gonna have people over Sunday night. It's gonna cost a little bit. I gotta have enough space to be able to put, put people somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you have to have enough room in, in your house to be able to you know, right. If you're gonna be living in a shoebox, you might not be able to do that. And so I think being able to have that as a as a mindset both for yourself and for the congregation. So the congregation may be wondering, because again, hopefully Hopefully, you're pastoring a congregation that says, well, "Help us think through this." Or what do you, what do you pastor? What do you, what do you, what, do you, what do you think on that? Well, again, that that's showing they want to be generous and and probably is putting you in a position position where you want to be humble in your response to that. But to say, "Listen, what, you know, what, what's a tank of gas cost? What's the price of milk and eggs right now?" Well, it's, it's gone up tremendously over the last couple of years. I think part of that you have to recognize that, and churches that don't recognize that, I mean don't recognize that times are changing and inflation is here and that what they paid a guy a year ago, he's not going to be able to make it the same. He's not going to be able to live the same life he did with the salary at a year ago. Uh, And so to be in what's called a comfortable supply, to be able to show hospitality, to be able to be himself a giver uh, so that he's not in a position where it's like, well, I can't even tithe. Well, he ought to be a tither. You know, you ought to be able to, he ought to be a giver in the church. He ought to be, setting a, to some degree a standard that he he's a giver he tithes he's he looks after other people he's able to give because he is in what is called a comfortable supply and mm-hmm. so that is looking at it and and it's going to be different in Kentucky than it is in Hawaii or or, or it is in 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 uh, out in Washington you know I was out there as we so we've talked about I spent some months out in Washington and I did some looking at houses a house here that would cost two hundred and twenty thousand dollars costs six seven hundred thousand dollars. Is it really that high up there? Yeah. Wow. So that's yeah. that's the that's the reality yeah. of it. So we need to. Uh, I, there's a couple logistical things since this is the topic. I think it's important that we cover. Number one, I'm just gonna rattle a couple things off because I know pastors are thinking this and asking these questions to me all the time. Number one is <clears throat> cola cost of living uh, assessment that that raised that mm. uh, figuring for cost of living. That is not a raise. That is not a raise. Mm. Uh, if you do not, if your church does not give you cola every year, which is whatever that percentage that 
you know, that they're figuring is the cost of living, then you have got taken a decrease in your salary. So mm-hmm. I do want to highlight that. That the and matter of fact, with practical shepherding, Jim, as you know, as president of his organization, we we try to work within that. We establish that on purpose because because cola is simply bringing you to the next year where you were the year before. Yeah. So an actual raise is cola plus something on top of that. Yeah. So just know that. that yeah, that was new to me. That, I, I had to, I know and, I had I hadn't thought thought about that until and, we had that discussion at a board meeting. Well, and I had and, and I care about this because uh, for years and years. Uh, because the church couldn't do it, I didn't even get a cola increase, and um, and I just I didn't think about this stuff at all until somebody said to me, "You know what? Your salary is decreasing actually the next year mm. in that because that that's a set by the government that co- that cola percentage number whatever that mm. is, and so businesses and everybody in the world in the, in the country is is working from that as as a as a cost of, of living. So that's number one. This the second thing is <clears throat> that. You have to, um, you have to have these conversations in such a way that uh, you think about how, um, what you need, obviously, but but how long you've actually been at a place too that matters, what the church can actually, uh, what the church can actually handle, and because again that tension comes with, uh, with pastors that will will have sleepless nights because they know that the church cannot, you know, cannot cover. What they're particularly needing in their life. I mean, have you seen a lot of this, Jim, around uh, salaries being set, and, and particularly, you know, what does you know logistically? How does the salary work itself out? So this is one of the things I, I want to talk about. A lot of times, churches will give an amount. Say, this is your salary, and it's this one figure, and then pastors are supposed to take their health insurance out of that, their right. retirement out of that, and. Uh, what you know, whatever I mean, housing, housing, all right. that kind of stuff, which is obviously which is a, thankfully is a good benefit for ordained pastors in that way. And I continue to want to encourage pastors to continue to utilize that. But what happens is the church gives this number, and it looks like a big number because that that number is given, and it's deceiving to the congregation. And so I I want to highlight this. This is kind of an elephant in the room, I think, when pastor salaries are talked about. So your full package as a sal- as a salary package for a pastor. You go, Pastor, it's sixty thousand dollars. And the church sees that and goes, Wow, sixty thousand dollars. You know, and they're sitting there going, Man, I I make forty five as when I work at the factory. You know, yeah. we're paying the pastor. It's like, okay, so you take off health insurance, if you haven't noticed, is insanely expensive. And now and, and that's right. just continued to gone up and will continue. Out of that sixty, what happens then is a pastor take whether it's ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars, whatever it is, and they're having to make judgments on what quality of health care they will get. Because right. they know that number is going to go down, and then if they put anything in retirement, that sixty thousand dollars becomes a forty thousand dollars salary really easily. Right, and the church doesn't see that. So right. I just want to I want to highlight that and say that it's important for you to be figuring into that. If you get if your full salary package is sixty thousand dollars, but your take home is forty thousand dollars, right. that's actually what your salary is because your benefits are coming out of that. You're you're not seeing that. Correct. I, I want to highlight that because I think it's unhelpful in general. It's I think it's deceiving to the congregation, and it's and we need to be we need to be communicating and educating our churches on, on that. And if if you're a pastor and this is the what you're living in, I want to highlight this because it's. 
it's okay to go, wait a minute, my salary's 40000 Like That's what I'm bringing home. Right. Yeah, that's what your salary is. So don't think it's sixty when it's actually forty, because what you're taking home is what your is what your salary technically is. So, uh, is how do you how have you worked through that, Jim, with your church and making those divisions? Well, again, it has changed over the years, and it's changed as the church has has been able to take in more. And again, my church is, has been very generous uh, as as they have been enabled to be and of course again i've been there for decades so it does it you know it has increased o- over the years we had to deal with this when we took on a uh, another full-time elder right, right, and right. it was interesting to have those discussions with the deacons and one of the things that one of our deacons did and probably would have been good to give him a, a call or a text on this before we discuss this if i remember correctly if if you're SBC and even if you're not, you can actually contact something like the SBC, which which has and keeps statistics on these kinds of That's things. That's right. That's a good idea. Uh, I think state to state. Yep. And, and and so if you're a church and you're saying, okay, we're a new we're we're a new church or we're a church and we're hiring a man and they're new to us and like how do we even think through this? I mean, without because what generally what's going to happen is in in many of these cases you're going to go into a situation and they're going to say, okay, this is what we're offering. And well, how do you even get at that? So if you're listening to this and you're on a finance committee, or you're a deacon, or or or, or you're you're in, on the elder board or whatever, and you're trying to think through this, you're trying to think through this that you go and and there are there's data out there available to you that you can get a hold of of, of what pastors tend to make a a, a, a and I think they break it down with this many members. This much income yeah, in do. the church is how big the budget is. I think a Lifeway research and, and, is a yeah, lot of so, the stuff you're talking so about. So they have that stuff there, and it's available. So you can look at it and go, yeah, wow, that, okay, we're a church of idea. 150 members. Yep. We take in $400,000 a year. Uh, it would be appropriate to pay your pastor $75,000, and on top of that, take care of his health insurance you know, or whatever, and, and here's – Ten thousand dollars a year for housing, or you know, whatever the case might be, and you look at it and go, okay, we we are right in the ballpark of of, of what this is because you're trying to figure that out. You, mm-hmm. you start a business, and you say, okay, we're going to hire my, my my we we brought some young people over the other day to do some yard work uh, from the church, and all right, what, what are we going to pay them? You know, what, well, what do you do today? I mean, like, well, when I was a kid, five dollars an hour is like, my goodness, that was great. <laughs> Well, a kid today might look at it and go, "You kidding me?" You know, yeah. uh, what do you pay a babysitter? Oh, uh, you know, what what is? How much do you tip? Or you know, whatever those things can be. You, you gotta, if you're older, you gotta get out of the mindset. You're not living in the '70s or the '80s That's anymore. That's a good right. That's a good word. And you yeah. gotta look at that. So I think there are things that are available. There are others who have been there before you, and so you might, as a pastor, want to think through this. And you go, okay, I mean, you contact Lifeway, yeah, and just say, you know, you're you're going to go to a church. Now, unless I want to say this too, if you've agreed to the salary, then you're going to have to live with that salary. Now, what you do from then on—that's a, but, that's but, a good but, point. You know, but does a pastor say who looks at it and and as they are, their resume is out. They they are looking at churches, and there are two or three churches to choose from. How much does this weigh on you? That what I'm going to be able to take care of my church. You know, you know, you don't you don't want to be guided solely by that. But you do need to think through that as, a, as a, you know, you, you, uh, you don't provide for your own house. You're, you know, you're worse than an infidel. You've denied the faith. You got to provide for your own. You got to figure out a way. I'm going to provide for my family again, not extravagantly, 
but I need, I do need to provide for my family. So you might want to look at that and go, you know what, what is your church's budget? You interview the church, church interviews you, you interview the church and you might need to say, no, what is our, what's our budget? What's our membership? And you know, what have you paid previously? I recognize, okay, the pastor before me had been there for 20 years. I don't expect to make coming. Well, just give me what he, what he made. Well, again, some of that might be because they built into that 20 years of experience and 20 years of COLA yeah. uh, as you were a cost of living. So uh, you, you're going to need to work through some of those kinds of things. Yeah. If you have a part to play in it, if they say to you, what do you need? You know, what do you want? What do you need is a very different conversation than this is what we're offering. Yeah. And do you have a problem with that? And you might say, well, honestly, if that's what you pay me, you have to understand I'm going to need a part-time job. Yeah. And that's a good word, Jim. I, I, but hearing you say that makes me want to say, take a minute and address the other side of the pendulum for a minute. Yeah. And that's the guy that, you know, that, you know, went to seminary, you know, paid for education, probably has some debt from it. Uh, worked hard to finish his degree, whatever he was doing. He's ready for ministry, but he's got a pretty high view of what he should be paid and compensated based on that. And I just want to say that that ministry is no different than everything else, in that you have to you have to work your way up in a way mm-hmm. to show the value that you bring to yeah. the table. And just because you went and got a theological degree does not mean that you are at the height of your value for a church to be able to hire you. And so you need to realize that you've got to go and you may have to take a job that a church job that doesn't pay you what you want Mm -hmm. and go get a second job and be bivocational and grind it out and start getting experience of being a pastor. And that may not be the place you stay for forever. But so I think there is a mindset that I, Hey, I, I went and, and got my education, or I did this internship or whatever, and now all of a sudden I should I should make what my pastor back home makes, who's pastored for thirty years, yeah. and that is a that's a a really bad way to look at it, and probably a great way to be disappointed. And the higher the bar you have, because everybody you said it, everybody can set the bar wherever they want, but I tell guys this: the higher the bar you set, the fewer opportunities you're going to have. Because most churches cannot pay what typically everybody wants to be paid sure. out of that. So I just want to I want to I want to make a comment about this other side of things because I watch guys who spend two three years and they can't find a church job and then I sit down with them and like yeah well like none of them would pay me what I wanted and nobody would give me this and and I only was willing to go to these three states to pastor it's like yeah man like there, there's just not many places that are going to do that for you so. I think there's there is a balance that has to come with this. And if you are new starting out in ministry, you need to go and be a sponge, learn under somebody, or go somewhere and just grind it out and serve a small group of people. Yep. Let them pay you what they can pay you. But you will build value. I mean, your education certainly brings value to the table for you. I'm not saying that, but you've got a your ex- education, your experience, all those kind of things is what eventually brings the value up for you that will allow you to potentially make a full-time salary as a church. You might not start there, but mm. but it is something you have to work towards. I, I say that because the rest of the world functions that way, and churches are, are no different. You have, to, you have to prove yourself that, one, you're called of God, and, two, that somebody wants to pay you and hire right. you. As That's why there's an interview process. So sa- salary conversations have to, to be figured into those kinds of things as well. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. Yep. Yeah, so, so one... Let's, as we wrap this episode, Jim, like, 
uh, one any any final piece of advice for any pastor? He's wrestling through. How does he think through his his salary? I'm really glad, by the way, you mentioned the the research is out there. You can go. It's Lifeway and some other places that that really does have that research. You may have too high a view of where your salary should be exactly. based on where you live. Like that, that's a really smart idea. But any final word of wisdom for guys as we wrap this? Brian, ultimately, you know, we have to have godliness with contentment is great gain. And, and so learning to be as best you can content in the situation where you are, which doesn't mean you don't pray and doesn't mean you don't labor. But if you want this to improve, you need to have a heart toward the Lord that he'll take care of you in it. But you need to be able to have a, a hard conversation and allow others to have a hard conversation back toward you. It is the hardworking laborers worthy of his hire. Work hard at work hard at what you do, and God willing that he he will bless that, and and others will see the value of the of the labor that you have. So it's good. You got to have some difficult conversations. You may have to preach some difficult texts so that when you go and you're if you're preaching through First Timothy with no agenda other than to preach through First Timothy, and you come to that passage as I had to do, I I had to do it because I was preaching through Deuteronomy recently. Oh, and, uh, and I got to the part about muzzling the, the ox, ox yeah. and I said, yeah. well, this is the New Testament application of it. You need to pay me more. No, I didn't say that, but <laughs> but you know, I did have to, I did yeah. preach a sermon on why a, a pastor's labor has value and why it ought to be compensated. Yeah. I thought I can't ignore this, and I, and I all with all the proper caveat, got to preach the word, and um, not that it didn't change anything, but I, I wasn't talking about myself so much as as other another generation of preachers coming for the church to know this. It's good. Uh, my my final word on this is that. It's ideal if you bring another respected, trusted leader into the conversation, and even they be the ones to go and advocate for you yeah, absolutely. once you communicate to them what you need. So yeah. uh, don't assume Excellent. they'll come to you. But yeah, let's just face it. This is one of those areas. It's hard for a pastor to go advocate for his own salary. We want to acknowledge it's hard. And we're not even saying you you do that to the whole church. But if you have somebody, you got a leader you that honestly this is a finance team if you have a finance team you know try to utilize them the best you can that's who you go talk to is like look this is you know this is what i i need and i'm falling short with and here's how, why and let that let that team be the ones that the church is looking to to set the budget and set the salary or if it's a group of elders or whatever it is but have somebody else that can ultimately be the one to go advocate for you but they can't advocate for you if you don't go and communicate clearly to them what you're needing at this time. Yeah. So, Amen. all right, Jim, will you take a minute and yep. pray for for pastors having to have just trying to have wisdom and discernment around these things? Yeah. Thanks, Father in heaven. Thank you for the clarity of your word. Thank you that you speak to issues that 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 we're dealing with and that weigh us down at times, even on these most practical levels. But give us help and wisdom in navigating through the difficulty. Help us in in the financial hardship. Help us in our anxiety. Help us to cast our care upon you. In all of these matters, we, we look to you and trust you to work in us and through us and even for us in our churches. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.